Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. This is Alice Cooper, the original techno-tard, and you're listening to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. We received uh, an email from Stan, who was a little bummed because last week, Justin, you were going to be on the show and you were going to share some information about a new turntable that you got because uh, he is thinking about getting one as well. Uh, you wanted to tell us a little bit about this turntable. A couple of weeks ago, I had um, I purchased a, a turntable. I, I've got you know somewhat of a collection of records, nothing nothing crazy or anything, but I found a uh, Audio Technica, which is a you know mid grade brand. It's nothing crazy. It's not like a Techniques or whatever, but it's a Audio Technica. Is it Technica um, or Technica? I don't know to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, it sounds French, so I'm just going to go with Technica. <laughs> yeah, okay, that sounds good. We'll go with that. Um, yeah, but uh, no, I found it at Walmart, and it, this has actually got one that's, uh, it's, it's got Bluetooth built in, but it does have the, the preamp RCA out if you have a, a, a phono preamp. And, and I, I do on my, um, my Yamaha AV receiver in the basement, I do have a phono input, but I can use it on the Bluetooth. So it's pretty nice. I can just take my, my Bluetooth boombox and and um, connect it up to the uh, the record player, and then I can just carry the boombox throughout the house and and listen to vinyl. I gotta say, the quality is actually it's decent. It's before that we had one of those uh, called Crossley, uh-huh. and it, and, it, and it was that old style looking all in one where it was like a uh, AM FM radio cassette deck CD player, and it was built into like a wooden cabinet, and it you know it looked all old timey, but oh my god, it, the audio quality of the vinyl was so bad. Really? I mean, ew, gosh. Like no bass, no bass, right? I mean, it was just... No, just nothing. I mean, yeah. it, it sounded like it was cassette quality. Ooh. And yeah, so I was like, nope, I'm not going to use this. But, you know, picking this up, I, you know, dusted off all the, the old vinyl. And uh, I also bought a couple new ones. I bought the the re-release of, of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. On vinyl. And um, Is it 100, that sounds... What, 180 gram? Like, you know, they do the remastering on them. They just yes. makes it sound really good. Oh yeah, and it sounds amazing. Honestly, I, I especially downstairs in the theater with the surround sound. You know, listening to Pink Floyd on vinyl and surround sound <laughs> is just—it's an experience. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we've been enjoying listening to it. I, I want to get some more vinyl and and maybe go visit a record store again because vinyl really is making a comeback. And oh, yeah, you know, I'm glad I got this. It's it's not very heavy, which is different than like a Techniques or another high end brand. You're going to find a lot more weight to it, so that way it doesn't vibrate as much. Um, but I, I found that I, I don't really have problems with vibration on this one. And the the needle head, it's, a, it's pretty good quality. It's, it's much better than that Crossley. And I even dug out some of my old DJ albums, you know, the DJ vinyl that's made for like scratching. Oh, yeah. Um, I dug that out and play with it and even let Eric, you know, play with it on the turntable. And he's like, <laughs> chicka, chicka, urk, bicka, chicka, bicka, urka, chicka, bicka, chicka. back and forth a little bit. So, uh, so now that's yeah, pretty that, cool. That's the whole thing. You know, a lot of us had uh, record we had record stacks. We had the vinyl collection. And then, you know, when we moved into cassettes and then we moved into digital, 
a lot of people just got rid of their vinyl. And they thought, yeah. you know, they're never going to listen to it. And, but the thing is, that has never gone away. The love Ooh. for vinyl. There's something about vinyl because you're hearing the true audio. You're hearing the vibrations instead of just hearing a bunch of ones and zeros. It, it, it is a different experience. Not only that, putting the needle on the record. And then the album itself was always something to admire because artwork. Uh, you had an album with artwork. Yep. CDs. Yeah, we got some of that. You could op open it up and open a booklet up. You didn't get with 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 digital. I mean, you got something nope. on your screen, maybe. But something about that vinyl experience. Do you remember, like, I don't know, Sean. Do you remember your very first album? No, I mean, I, <laughs> it has to be. You know, I didn't really get into vinyls, right? I have collected probably about a dozen different Maynard Ferguson albums. Oh yeah, that's jazz. Is that the guy from it? Tool? Oh no, yeah, that's, isn't that the no? That's the guy from his Tool? name is Maynard. That's right. the guy from Tool. Yeah, <laughs> but no, Maynard Ferguson is a is a is a jazz oh, trumpet jazz, player yeah. who uh, just revolutionized trumpet playing <laughs> along with Doc Severinsen and a couple Wynton Marcellus and a couple other big name trumpet players. Yeah, that's the kind of music you put on and just have it in the nice in the nice background. You know, my dad used to call it dinner music. Would have on. It was just it was great to listen to. I remember my first uh, vinyl record. I had the first release of michael jackson's thriller oh that was a vinyl. big album big album yeah i mean it was yeah it was it was huge and it was my very first album my parents bought it for me because i was a i was a huge michael jackson fan always listening to it but then as i got a little older i didn't really listen to vinyl all that much and i remember i i took it and uh the original hotel california by the eagles i took those albums back outside in the backyard and played baseball with them <laughs> kind of like sean of the dead right <laughs> <laughs> dumbest mistake of my life i mean those album those two albums were worth probably a pretty penny nowadays i remember going to buy albums when they were five dollars or six dollars mm -hmm. and you go to you know the store and you would buy an album because the, you know that's you take it home and you listen to it right away and then 45 rpm records i i remember having 45 rpm records that's what the, was big for me and when i was growing up because you had different songs so you mm -hmm. didn't have an old uh, an album full of one artist like the Stones or the Who or whatever. You had these 45. So you'd play that 45 RPM record and you were like a DJ. You would take it off and then put another yep. record on and play the next one. It'd be a different artist. I'll tell you, though, if you were thinking about replenishing, you know, you get a turntable and you're replenishing your album collection. When I was at the White Elephant, uh, the Country Fair White Elephant here at Green Valley, they had a lot of those albums and you can get them at a, a good price rather than buying that new vinyl that they have but the new vinyl has been remastered and it does have a little different feel to it a little different sound maybe a little better quality i'm gonna have to mm -hmm. see if i can find some maynard ferguson there for for sean if yeah, they have I, any it's uh the maynard ferguson stuff is great the what conquistador was... album is great the malaguena album is great there's so many good albums from him i've got a lot on cd too so my, my first album i was a kid i don't know how old i was we were in jc penny and uh i loved movies and they were playing in pennies. When you would go into the store, they would actually put vinyl on the turntable. So they'd be playing something. And they were playing this. And I was, but I wasn't, I was looking at the album itself. And I remember the sales guy said, do you, you like that? Because I sat there for maybe a good half hour just looking at the album, reading the notes in the back and looking at the picture. And I told him, I said, yeah. He goes, and he took the record off. He put it in the sleeve, gave it to me. And he said to my parents, really? who were who just came around the corner, said, uh, "Your son can have this album." And they were, Does, did they have to pay for it? No, he gave, he gifted it to me, and it was the soundtrack for the movie Airport. 
with uh, Dean Martin and hmm. just uh, that was George Kennedy. And, and I, but I had that soundtrack. That was like my my first album. And that's when I, I had my love for soundtracks. I love soundtracks. And something about that. So that's cool. You got it. You like it. I'm running the Victrola. I like the Victrola. That's got a nice sound to it. But a lot of people I talked to told me the same thing about Crossley, that it just didn't didn't just rep. It, it took away from that feeling of playing vinyl. Yes, of course. That's yeah. that's why I just, after listening to just a few albums on that Crossley, I was like, yeah, mm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> but now you're going to go build your collection again. Yeah, I think so. Now that I have a decent record player, yeah. I've got a buddy. My buddy Dustin he collects uh, albums, and he's always buying new the new albums and the the soundtracks. And uh, he's got some really cool ones. Uh, when the, with the release of the Star Wars movies, the oh, seven, yeah. eight, nine, they did a holographic ones oh. where when it spins, you shine a light on it, and it has like a Millennium Falcon, oh, wow, or a Tie Fighter. Um, really, really cool. And he also collects video video game music albums, so oh, yeah. like Zelda and uh, Metroid and a couple of the other ones too. So, well, I, I do got to say, uh, you know, this actually was pretty affordable. I mean, it was only um, about one hundred and fifty dollars for the record player, so that's really not that bad. Yeah, yeah. I, you might go in the store and see the Crossleys for around fifty or sixty bucks, but take that into account when you want to you know start playing some of that older vinyl that you have or yeah. maybe you want to start collecting it is there one album Justin that you want to definitely add to the collection that you don't have yet do you have hotel california oh gosh well i'd i would like to go i would like to repurchase thriller <laughs> yeah. um on on there um but yeah like maybe some some of the eagles hotel california or something uh just kind of re re reobtaining some of those lost vinyl that i had when i was a kid yeah a little later on in the show, and I just want to let people know, uh, there was a big incident here in Tucson uh, this past week with the Tucson Unified School District. They got ransomware. And uh, Yeah, it was by the group called Royal. And I did a segment on television, was asked my thoughts on this. You know, what is ransomware? Why do people do this? What happens? Do they take data and put it onto the dark web? We're going to actually have a uh, representative a cyber advisor with CISA. They work with the Department of Homeland Security. Basically, uh, they're going to tell us all about what happened, what can be done to protect ourselves, because it does not just happen to businesses, uh, schools, or hospitals. This can happen to just about anyone. Even you as a private individual can have your uh, data encrypted. So we're going to talk a little about the safety measures of that. With Sean, you're working at a school. I'm sure you can understand. This is something that I'm sure people are very vigilant about. Yeah, we get all the time. We get told, all right, update this, update that. Can't use that software anymore. Can't use that. And then sometimes stuff just stops working because they shut off ports. They Mm -hmm. said, hey, we saw something weird. So they do... uh, our, our networking guys like to, like to call it the scream test. Uh huh. <laughs> where they shut stuff where they shut stuff off and see who screams. Oh, there you go. I do that all the time. Because stuff if something gets shut 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 off and nobody screams, move on. All right. They right. close that port. So, that is, yeah. yeah. So you know we we do a lot with in and outbound between vendors and for broadcast transmission, right? Because a lot of our stuff is over IP, and so we have a lot in and a lot out. And we're actually Notre Dame Studios is actually behind its own firewall grouping. We have our own rules and, and it's all managed by our own IT people. Some campus stuff is a little bit different, so it gets a little tricky because we're kind of our own little island for IT. For for companies like Justin and, and for the work you do too, I mean, are hardware firewalls the best solution 
versus oh, a software firewall? Hands down. Absolutely. You know, you cannot, you cannot have a, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but you cannot have a legitimate business without having a hardware firewall. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, if you're a small business, it doesn't even matter if you're a small business, you need to have some sort of a hardware firewall uh, put in place. It, it, software firewalls, they are not designed for uh, corporate environments or just business environments in, in general. Um, I believe uh, the firewalls that we're using at some of our sites are uh, Fortinet. And they're actually pretty small. They're little, little tiny, uh, one RU, one rack unit, uh, um, and they're about half the size width wise of a rack unit. And but those are those are about um, about fifteen hundred dollars. Now, uh, granted, you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, yeah. but t- keep in mind when I did I did a presentation on cybersecurity recently uh, for one of our training events, and the average cost of a cyber attack, the to remedy a cyber attack. Take a guess, both of you. What's the average cost of a, of a cyber attack? Well, this one one and a half million. I, I'm the, this one. They're saying could take you know weeks to months before they get back up and running uh, with the school. So I would say, yeah, I'd say close to you know what Sean said, maybe a million yep. bucks. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah, about one point seven million dollars on average. Wow. So it's like okay. So do I spend the fifteen hundred dollars right now and buy this this firewall that I you know, maybe I can't afford right now or whatever, or do I just take the chance and then end up paying 1.5 million or 2.5 million, whatever it is to get my data back or whatever happens with your data. So yeah. Um, and especially if you're doing things with other people's data too, if you've mm-hmm. got customer databases, things like that, credit card numbers, names, social security numbers, all that stuff, you, you have a due diligence to, or you have a duty. I shouldn't say due diligence. You have a duty to protect that data. As a matter of fact, you can lose I believe you can lose like your payment processing if you don't have the proper safeguards in place. Um, as a matter of fact, with our organization, we have a, a governmental agency that oversees basically it's our, like our insurance, our insurance provider. Yeah. And they charge us a massive premium if we are not completely 100% compliant with PCI, which is the, you know, the private, te- you know, private data users data because we do a lot of credit card transactions and things like that yeah. so if we're not completely 100 percent pci compliant we get charged a massive uh, liability fee if you're a diyer yeah. you know if you're somebody who can do this kind of stuff on your own you can get an open source free uh firewall i think it's called P- uh, pf sense papa frank sense uh s-e-s-e-n-s-e pf sense i think think the website's just pfsense.com so you can get like uh i mean it depends on the size of your uh, your business i mean if it's just you and another person you could probably put on a raspberry pi and and you can configure it how you want it but it would act as a hardware firewall and it really wouldn't cost you very much just a computer out of the box you know or or a server or even um if you're running virtual you know vmware Fire mm-hmm. up a VM, run in PF Sense. Boom, there's your firewall. Big yeah. news this week with E3 going to be coming up. You know, one of the things they changed about E3 this year is that they're going to make it open to the public, which, you know, before <laughs> it really wasn't. I mean, if you knew somebody, you could go into E3. We've been to E3. It's a lot of fun, but they were going to have it open to the public. But now we're finding out that not everybody is going to be going this year. Why would these companies that are big in the gaming community, not attend this big E3 Expo. The three big major gaming companies, uh, uh, Microsoft, uh, Sony, and Nintendo. All I can think of is, it's so funny because you mentioned how it's going to be open to the public for the, like, the first time. People can go. All I can think is, 
that that famous reaction gif of of John Travolta like confused like it's going to be people people are going to walk into E3 and do the John Travolta like where is everybody where is everybody because I mean who is going to be there physical gatherings for digital media are going away yeah. period why spend yeah. all the marketing money all of the travel money all of the venue money all of the food money all of the hotel money all the insurance money to yeah. get 70,000 people potentially inside, but then worldwide audience online for yeah. a bandwidth cost. Yeah. Now, nowadays there really is. And also not only that, but you got the, these three major companies, they do their own presentations outside yes. of E3. They don't need E3 anymore. They've got the, the, the Xbox, you know, huge event. They've got the Sony, a huge event. They got Nintendo. Um, what do they got? Nintendo Direct, which they have and, that happens and, on like a monthly there's, basis. There's zero, there's zero pressure to come up with stuff for E3. Yeah. What if you, what if they don't have anything for E3? Yeah, don't forget, yeah, like you said, the travel time involved, and then you know, usually when they get to town, they hire people to come out and help them rep the 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 booth. So if they yep. don't take Plus people, they've got to do them. a broadcast production, and then like it's got to be a good broadcast production. It can't be a, a bad one, like you've seen at some other things that i've seen on the internet right yeah i know the quality of things have gone down like and what's acceptable to people but that that's not what e3 is right it's too much money lost at those events for zero almost zero return and, and if you think about it too the way that people have gotten online and just just the negativity about like you get a game release that you might be excited for and there's just so many people just trashing it like oh my god the graphics are so bad or mm-hmm. oh i can't believe we have to wait like nine months it's like people all they want to do is complain 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 imagine spending that kind of money to go and set up a booth at e3 and do this huge production and this huge reveal of a game just to have everybody on twitter be like yep sucks <laughs> like well and right, they- but ca- ca- catering to your own is better right because if you if you like e3 you, you come in and you're competing oh yeah yeah, yeah. you come in <laughs> and you have you have your 10 minutes of fame and sony mm-hmm. gets to go up who gets to go first right oh sony just dropped this huge trailer all the hype's gone now mm-hmm. nobody wants to watch the xbox thing because everybody's all stoked and writing articles about the sony thing now right yep so, yep why release on a uh, a convention's timetable when you can just do it on your own and do it better. If one of the big game manufacturers, you know, they put out uh, Diablo, the new, uh, or, you know, you've got the different games that are going to be coming out. If they're going to have an event, Sean, you're going to tune in. Well, but, right. And- so they, they did announce, so, so Blizzard, right? Yeah. Blizzard did announce they're going back with BlizzCon, which is Blizzard specific, right? Yeah. Which is good. That's understandable. But, you know, they do announce things at other smaller conventions, but they don't do big, big reveals, right? You know, they have mm-hmm. Gamescon over in Germany and they have the PAXs, right? So you're going to see these big vendors pick and choose where they drop their big ticket things at, right? Yeah. Because yep. you have, and you know, you have E3, which was the big one for a long time. Then it died with the pandemic. And then you had, like, you, had, it, you started seeing, even before the pandemic, it was yeah, dying. Yeah. I was going to say, right? yeah. Because yeah. then you had this little thing called the Penny Arcade Expo, PAX. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's not PAX East, Seattle, PAX West, PAX, yep. PAX West. It was just PAX at the point at that time, right? Yeah. Then it developed into PAX West and PAX East, and then PAX Southwest, right? And then PAX North. Now you have E3, but then PAX wants to have these big announcements at their venues too. So where do you draw the line? And where do you like? So then, of course, 
I mean, that's a lot of money. That's tra- it's, there's so much money being lost when yeah. you could just do it yourself and get the same audience. I for think, a I think that's probably reduced price. Yeah. I think that's probably why some of these companies decided to do that. They're like, hey, you know what? It's just, it's just too much. We're just going to do it on our own. Like we can't, we can't handle this, but let me ask right, you this. We won't oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say another part of it too, is like when you deal with third party vendors and going to these locations, right? You have to test the material. You have to ship the material. You have to get the material there. Right. Yeah. Well, Mm-hmm. How many eyeballs are being seen on all that content, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All it takes is for one person to open up the wrong box and go, oh, sweet release, and then now it's leaked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. Do you, with the way E3 is, is going, do you think this would happen in the future with CES? No. Where people, you, people just start doing this online? I'll tell you why I don't think this would happen to that extent with CES. Because at CES, a lot of entrepreneurs show up with product that is not being marketed yet, that is not being created yet, that are looking for funding. Here's our prototype. Here's what we want to make. This is what it'll solve. I think CS has been so huge that I think for that case, it could continue. Maybe scale down a bit because it's, I mean, this last one was huge. What about just an online CES where you can just dial in at any time on your own time and go to the, uh, I don't know, the entrepreneur room and see all the, you know, presentations for that and then go over to the, you know, blah, blah, blah room. And I kind of see, I see your point, but again, hands-on is different when it comes to Mm, a hardware product that, you know, is going to be revolutionary or changing where you can actually, oh, wow, this is neat. Well, you have the, you know, the, the old homage of salesmanship is if I can put a product, product in your hands, you're more likely to buy it. Yeah. Right. If I can get you to come to my booth and physically demo, put my goggles on, put your, my controller in your hands, put your eye behind the camera lens, whatever. Right. Now you've physically touched it. Now you, there's a whole other sensory involved mm-hmm. where if you're just watching online, you're so detached, you're missing all the new, you're missing the fundamental part of technology which is hands-on yeah and the thing with e3 maybe that's why they're inviting all the people and now not just the buyers and the magazine editors and and uh you know reviewers they're inviting people because maybe they want to turn it into a gaming convention kind of like we have with comic-con where it's you know comics movies film television but comic-con draws the big talent yeah oh yeah if you have the three top gaming companies in the world saying, nah, cold shoulder, that's, why would I go? And that's what I'm wondering if that's maybe where they're going to go with it. I, again, I, I can't see e th- I can't see CES maybe changing. Although, eat my words, Comdex used to be the big show, you know, and that, that was oh, what yeah. everybody went to. And then CES came along and it became a, a whole different ball game. You know, cars, everything when it comes to digital health, uh, the whole bit. So... I don't know. I think it'll take a little while, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens with, with E3 this year. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to find out a little more about protecting yourself and about ransomware, what it's all about, and why you should be concerned with this and maybe get some tips on how to protect yourself. That's going to be coming in next with Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on Twitter at Tech Talk Radio. We'll be right back. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. And happy to have with us on the line from CISA, that is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, a division of the Department of Homeland Security, CISA Region 9 Cybersecurity Advisor, Mike Letman. Mike, thanks for coming on Tech Talk Radio. You bet, Andy. Thanks for inviting me on. This week has been a, a really difficult week for IT managers, instructors, and students with the Tucson Unified School District. Cyber criminals attacked their systems and encrypted the data within their system. This is known as a ransomware attack from a group that has been operating uh, for the past year as a, as a group called Royal. And of course, now that means that the IT managers within the district, along with the FBI, need to determine just what the level of the attack has been. And a lot of people were kind of at a loss, like what is ransomware and how does that affect big companies? Well, and I had to, I I went on Fox 11 and I I told everybody, I said, it's not about just big companies. It's about uh, medical institutions. It's about educational establishments, small business, and even consumers can fall under this and be a victim of ransomware. Before we talk about that, Mike, I wanted to find out a little bit about CISA. Can you give us a little background on the agency? Sure, absolutely. So I like to say back on November 16th of 2018, um, CISA was formed uh, by, and that was by President uh, Trump at the time signing the Infrastructure Security Agency Act of 2018. And our mission is to strengthen the security and resilience of America's critical infrastructure. So the comprehensive cyber protection, infrastructure resilience, emergency communications, that's all a part of our mission. Well, and we look at what has happened to the Tucson Unified School District with this week's intrusion, but also this has happened to many other agencies, city government, and of course, small and large businesses. This is a very serious and it can affect uh, the day-to-day operations of, and of revenue for a lot of companies. Why does this ransomware happen? So basically, it, it's like you alluded to. It's a money-making venture for these adversaries. So if they can uh, lock up your data or your information, and you're absolutely correct, this is not just businesses. This is citizens. Uh, this is educational industries. This is not-for-profits. Any organization can get attacked by ransomware. And if they can lock your data and then request you to pay in order to get your data back, uh, then it's a money-making venture. Well, given the name ransomware, that means basically they're holding your data at ransom. They've encrypted the data. Uh, if you pay them, at least, they say that they will um, decrypt it and allow you to go uh, on about your business. Is that data usually restored if a payout has happened? Is, has there been any kind of record of that? So that depends, and it depends on who you look towards, and it depends on the organizations and how they report it. So what I look at is at least what the FBI is reporting, that in about 65% of the time, when you do pay the ransom, you get your data back. But the rest of the time, something goes wrong. It could be that the ransomware organization uh, didn't give you the keys to unlock your data. It could be that the process to encrypt your data caused a problem and therefore it corrupted the data. So therefore you can't unlock it. So it kind of depends, you know, and, and the data is only as good as that organization's report to us. But I think overall, you can expect if you do pay it, don't expect that your data necessarily is going to be given back to you. Yeah, you're basically 
you're dealing with criminals. That's exactly correct. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly correct. So just like any other criminals, don't expect them to be honest with you. Now, a lot of parents, Mike, have worried that this attack could open up student information uh, where, you know, it's going to be records of birth, the names, the addresses, and all that information that schools may be holding on the dark web. Is this also a possibility or is this more just, hey, here's, you know, your your data is encrypted. Uh, if you want to decrypt it, pay up. Or are they also going to find another way to, to make money off of this? So they absolutely could find another way. You know, again, these are criminals. They're not going to be honest with you. So even if you pay them money, to return your data, they could turn around and sell that data or place that data on open forums or, or sell it in the dark web. And then other criminals can use it to try and target uh, whoever uh, the data is on. Like, for example, like you said, if it's a school system, it's your kid's data. So other cyber criminals can use that to target your kids and target their credit. I always recommend, you know, I have kids myself and I always recommend Occasionally check your kids' credit and just see if Ooh. there are hits against it or things that are going on um, against your, your kids' credits. For parents, you know, protect your SSNs and protect your tax statements with a PIN. I believe this year I noticed the IRS allows us to create a PIN for filing mm-hmm. taxes online, and I highly recommend everyone look into doing that because that forces anyone who's trying to file taxes as you to produce that PIN in order to prove it's actually you filing those taxes. So they can't claim your refund for you. That is phenomenal advice. That's something I didn't even think about. Um, also, it can be used for phishing attacks where uh, if they know the name of the parents, they know the address, then suddenly that parent could come under an attack with something that looks genuine. That's absolutely correct. So depending on what the data is, uh, they can utilize it to send phishing emails off to those victims and try and get them to click on links to install uh, more malicious software to do other things as well. You're absolutely correct. Now, uh, Mike, we've heard about Royal and some of the ways that they've operated. And uh, some people were surprised when I told them that in the past they've done it through ads, which look like Google ads on the World Wide Web. We don't know what we're clicking on uh, is is really kind of the best defense in this case to not be clicking on anything on the on the web you know question everything so you know that that's hard because we want to utilize the web for a lot of different reasons yeah so i like to say just be cautious on what you're doing so when you're getting links in emails for example don't just click on links just because you got them in email especially depending on who they're coming from if they're coming from your banks or your credit cards or things like that it's highly unlikely they're going to send you links and email. You should always go to yeah. the web, log on to the site as you, and check out whatever information they're trying to tell you. That's usually the message is something like there's a problem with your account. Well, uh, I don't need to click on that link. I can go directly to the website, log in as me, and check to see if there's a problem. Or better yet, call the institution and ask them, hey, is this legit? I got this email from you. So you should always be cautious uh, with that type of stuff. As far as surfing on the web, you're absolutely correct. You know, if you're going to well-known sites, there are steps that are attempted to be taken in place to protect those sites by those organizations. But every site has some sort of ads on it. Yeah. So basically what your computer is saying is, hey, take all that ad information and download what's ever in there. So the bad guys put ransomware and put other Uh, malicious software into those ads to try and download stuff on your computer. So 
you should always just be careful on what you're clicking on and what attachments you're opening up. Attachments are another good way um, to put malware onto your computers. When you think about it, uh, many of these, uh, well, many of us at home that are listening to this or even maybe have a small business, we may purchase an antivirus package from a reputable antivirus company. Just having antivirus software is really not enough to protect us in a case like this or many other malware cases, correct? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So I like to say security is a layered approach. So think of it as locking or protecting your house. You know, you put locks on, you have doors that lock, you have windows that lock, you have gates that lock, you maybe put up camera systems. You do a a whole layered approach to protect your house. It doesn't do any good to lock your doors if you leave your windows wide open. Same thing with computer systems. It's a layered approach of different products used to protect systems. Large corporations have more resources to to use these products to try and protect their users and uh, their employees. Smaller businesses don't necessarily have all the resources. And us as citizens have very few resources to try and do this. So that's why it's more important that we remain extra vigilant on what we're doing on our systems because we don't have the money to install firewalls and advanced email filters and and all this other high technology that some of the corporations can install. Some companies, and I know uh, the company I work for has uh, gone out of the way to to actually have programs where we take tests, where we are even tested by uh, a fish email that goes out um, to just make sure we're on top of the game because this can be very costly to a company when something like this happens. Yeah, you're absolutely correct, Andy. That, you know, we call that like security awareness. We, um, you have programs in many organizations where they test you and send you emails and see what your click rate is. So how many people can they get to click on it? You know, I always say here in Arizona, I'm going to send out emails and say free Cardinals tickets. Mm-hmm. And I bet I can get a lot of people to click on them. Or, or free <laughs> Super Bowl tickets right now is going to get a lot of clicks. Uh, from people. So, you know, it's it's things like that to kind of see, all right, how are my customers or my users aware of clicking on links on how dangerous that is and what that can lead to? So that's a great way to try and educate, you know, your your employees of your company on, on the dangers of clicking on links. Even if you are a small operation, a small shop, you have five people, getting getting the five people aware of what's going on is super important. Now, what would be the first step, Mike, if somebody came in, they get into work, and there on their printer is a note? And this is similar to what Tucson Unified School District employees found on their printers when they got into work to know that, well, there was an intrusion. What should be the first thing they should do? Yeah, that's a great question. And and I will say uh, it, the, the answer is not to freak out. <laughs> yeah, away. there you go. So there's a, it's a couple. Yeah, exactly. It's a layered, again, it's a layered process depending on who you are. So for businesses, for example, the first things I would do is alert your IT and your management team saying, hey, I just received this. I think it's super important for businesses to contact the FBI and law enforcement as well. Uh, If you're a government entity, it's really important to contact the state of Arizona's cyber team because they have resources that are available to all of our government entities in the state that they can help them uh, attempt to recover from ransomware attacks. Uh, in this case, we're talking about ransomware, but other types of cyber attacks as well. Uh, if you're citizens, you, you know, there's some things you could do. Like, for example, 
uh, on Windows boxes, you can log into safe mode and you can attempt to get your data. So in a ransomware situation, maybe the ransomware hasn't entirely encrypted all your data. So if you go into safe mode, you can attempt to quickly pull the data off before it all gets encrypted. Um, You can attempt to try and recover the files. But uh, outside of that, uh, and then I also for citizens highly recommend they report the incidents to the FBI through the IC3.gov. That's an organization where FBI tracks the progress of ransomwares and different types of ransomware attacks. And that way they can learn about, hey, is this getting serious? Is, Is this an everyday thing that can start to collect how these guys are doing it? And so that they can educate the general public on, hey, be aware of these types of incidents that are happening. Now, in the case, say somebody did get the get affected by this and they they had their computer and their computer's locked up, they can't do anything. If they were making daily backups of their system and then disconnected their backup machine or their backup drive from that, basically they would be able to start over and restore, you know, reformat, doing the whole bit without having to really worry too much about the next step other than that the fact that their data, that information may be available out there because they have been infiltrated. Yeah, that's correct, with with a couple of caveats. So remember, depending on how the attack happened, your backups may contain the malicious software as yeah. well. So when you restore your backups, you have to be careful that you're not reinstalling uh, the malicious software and it's going to happen to you again. I highly recommend organizations, you're absolutely correct, keep backups and test those backups. Because what if your backup process is not working and you go to try and restore your backups and suddenly it's not working? Uh, Then uh, you could have a problem that way too. And then the third thing is not everybody does backups like daily, hourly, you know, that type of thing. So you may lose a day or two of progress or business. But if you look at the grand scheme of things, losing all your data versus losing a day of business um, is probably... Uh, a good compromise, I guess, is the way to say it, um, versus, you know, trying to recover all of your information. One of the questions I've been asked a lot, Mike, is, is, is this offshore or is this, you know, homegrown? And we do call them terrorists because they are cyber criminals and they're affecting a system, maybe taking down an organization. Where does this come from? Is there any idea? Yeah, so this is, so this is a great question. And obviously the answer is it comes from all over the place. So with CISA and businesses and governments, our focus is on nation state activity. So when we say that, what we literally mean is there are other countries trying to compromise our systems for businesses and governments, trying to steal data, trying to make money on reselling that data or make money off those organizations. So that's definitely coming from nation state activity. But there's also lots of other things out there that can attack uh, just general citizens, and that's uh, stuff like ransomware as a service. So these are uh, cyber gangs that basically produce this ransomware and sell it on the dark web so that anybody can go out there, grab this ransomware, and use it against somebody else. And think of things even as uh, distorted as it could be your ex-friends or spouses, ex-spouses or something yeah. like that, or just trying to do mean things to other people. So it can come from anywhere. 
But from CISA's standpoint, we focus on the nation-state activity. And you can also get more information on staying protected at CISA.gov. That's C-I-S-A.gov. Now, I understand, Mike, Mike, this is just not a problem that's only affected the Tucson Unified School District. Other school districts, K-12, through have been affected by these type of attacks. They've put together a kind of a safeguard kit for educators, IT managers uh, at those school levels to kind of help understand this and maybe some added added ways to keep protected. Yep, that's absolutely correct. So if you go out to CISA.gov, we have all kinds of information on cyber attacks and and ways to protect yourself, including, as you said, the the new safeguard for K-12 school kit. And basically what we like to say about the K-12 schools is they are a target-rich, cyber-poor environment which means that the adversaries target them knowing that these organizations don't have the resources to invest in cyber. So it's super important that our schools take extra steps to try and protect themselves from these types of attacks. The full address is cisa.gov forward slash partnering dash safeguard dash K dash 12 dash toolkit. And if you need that again, feel free to drop me an email and I'll be able to respond to that. What is the next step for, say, TUSD after this type of attack? I've been told it could take anywhere from two days to four months before they could get up to fully running again. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. What they have looking in front of them is what of their data successfully was able to be recovered? What are they missing? You know, and more importantly, they haven't solved the problem, right? So they have to turn around and figure out how did this attack happen and how do we close those loopholes so it doesn't happen again? And then what other risks, cyber risks, are we running in our environment? Because this was just one way. There are hundreds of ways for these adversaries to attack and compromise your system. So as IT security people, we have to make sure we've closed all of those holes. You know, I like to say, as IT security people, we can, you know, we have to be right all of the time. The bad guys only have to be right once and they yeah. compromise our organizations. Oh, yes, so, so that's true. What we're up against. So true. Now, would you recommend too that people update their operating systems whenever there's a security update and firmware updates on any routers or modems they may have within their home to make sure that they have the most recent version for it to be protected? Yes, that's absolutely the two most important things with ransomware is that number one, I like to say patch, patch, patch. Make mm-hmm. sure you're patching your systems. You're updating your operating systems. And remember, it's not just your operating systems. It's all the other software that you have running on your computer because each one of those potentially gets updated separately than the iOS downloads or the Windows downloads that that come direct from those organizations. Uh, number two is running multi-factor authentication. That's the second best way to prevent these types of attacks from happening. Because if you think about it, if the adversary gets access uh, to your computer and they get challenged with multi-factor, they don't have your phone or they don't know uh, that second set of credentials uh, that is needed in order to get by the login attempts. I've always said that's also a great way to know if somebody's trying because uh, you're going to get that notification. And if it's not you, time to worry a little. Yes, that is. And many organizations have implemented this. They'll send an email and they'll say, hey, someone tried to log in as you at this date and time. And it's important that you follow up on that because that could mean that an adversary is trying to log in as you. So you're absolutely correct on that. 
Mike Letman, thank you so much for coming on. And, you know, we hope that we get a chance to talk again in the future about infrastructure, security, cybersecurity, because just a wealth of great knowledge there, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Andy, for inviting me on here. Happy to talk with you anytime. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. So, and yet there was a uh, another hack that uh, we had heard about. Now, is it a T-Mobile hack or a... Google Fire. Well, it's it's both. So T-Mobile's been hacked, according to this article, eight times over the last like decade. So January 19th, Google Fi released a breach to closure saying a trove of personal data belonging to 37 million customers, including billing addresses, dates of birth, T-Mobile account details, ser- SIM serial card numbers. Now with SIM mm-hmm. serial card numbers, could SIMs be replicated then and then I believe so. be used to spread malware to like friends? Here, click this link. At least, uh, the article goes on to say, at least one Google Fi customer claimed a SIM swapping hack. So, yes, Mm. it could have possibly been part of that also. So, basically, the SIM serial number is just flashed onto a blank and then kind of sideloaded, if you will. You know, with all of that, what do you guys think about these services that are out there? And there are some of them. I know Symantec with LifeLock does this. The services that keep an eye on your data on the dark web, they keep an eye for open for your your name, your address, your phone number, socials, or whatever. I mean, is that is that a service that people should really start thinking about now? I mean, it probably doesn't hurt. So through Caitlin's work there, because she works for a hospital, a major hospital network, they offer a free plan to ID Shield. Mm-hmm. And a lot of companies we, are doing that now. Yeah, we just did a new credit card, and it flagged. We both immediately, like two minutes after we applied for the credit card, both got alerts saying your credit was ran. Right. Here's who did it. Here's when it happened. After, what was it, like five, six years ago now when the Experian and, and got yeah. got hacked and everything, what I did was I just put a full block on every mm. single, you know, all three credit agencies, I just put a full block on it, which means I can't even no. go and apply for something. I, I would have to go to each of the websites and release the block using a like a long like humongous long string of random numbers and characters that i've got saved in a bank vault somewhere and that would unlock my credit report for the time being until i need it but otherwise then no that's and that's actually one of the safest things you can do by locking just yeah yeah just put a straight up lock on your credit and i know lifelock when when they were big when they first came out all they would end it came out that all they were doing was they were just putting a fraudulent flag on all of your accounts. That's all they were doing. It was a free phone call. You could make one phone call to each of those places say, hey, I think I might be a victim of you know, something. And they'll be like, oh, we'll put a flag on your account for 90 days. That's all LifeLock was doing. And you were paying for that. Uh, now they're, you know, they do a lot more. They do a lot more. But uh, it, it, back in then, it, so like I said, I'm sorry, I'm getting off a tangent, but the safest thing you can do, just put a block on your credit. That's actually a pretty good idea. It's just good to remember though that you have that block. So if you go somewhere and you apply, which is something I did, and then you're told, no, and you're like wondering, wait, why? You know, you got this score and 
you already have these these uh, profiles. Why would it be the case? Well, it would be the case because you have the lock. And yep. if you, it, but it, it's going to ding you. So you just have to decide, is it something you really want? But yeah. it does, uh, that does protect you. So something like that is well, a good idea. I actually just got uh, not really hacked. Well, maybe a little bit hacked. I actually just had something like that happen uh, last week. I woke up to about seven Walmart.com orders uh, that were shipped to just random people throughout the United States. And they were just random items on Walmart. And I've turns out somebody got onto my walmart.com account. And when I did check, as I do a lot of stuff with a password manager, it turned out that the password for my walmart.com account was not secure. So Yikes. what I did was I spent the next like two days just going through all of my passwords that were saved in my password manager and just changing them all to like a full on random number, letter, character, string, like 20 characters long. I mean, it took forever, but now... Yeah, I feel a bit more safe, and I even canceled my credit card just in case. But yeah. Walmart's like, oh, yeah, we'll cancel all those. Yeah, no, they didn't. They they let them all ship. So now I got to call American Express and be like, I need all that money back. Yeah. You know, one, so. pa one pass has been really good in that for creation. and did the same thing, went through. That's what I used. Got some, got some. you know, I looked at passwords. I went, ooh, really? You were only using that? Um, and one pass seemed to be the best way to go ahead and just assign that password and you know it's a string that nobody's it's going to take a long time. It would take billions of years. Yeah, they're saying just a heck of a long time. So yep. again, that that's that's a good idea and I want to thank you guys for turning me on to that one too. The number one password.com. Don't go to any other variation of that cuz it's they're going to try and get you. One password.com is the the one to check out. Uh have you guys been checking anything out like on, you know, everybody's been talking about some of these great shows that are out there like The Last of Us based on nope. the video game. They're now making more video games. Uh, they're doing Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. That's going to be a, yeah with Michael B. Jordan, right? I think. Michael B. Jordan, yeah. And that's going to be a another one. I've, I've, have you watched The Last of Us yet? Nope. No, no, not going to. No, you didn't play the game. Nope. 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 It looks like a Walking Dead kind of. Uh, I mean, know, I, I like that they cast Pedro Pascal. Oh, I, I mean, love I love him, him as the Mandor Mandalorian, but I do not like that other that girl i don't even know what her name is bella something the, oh, okay that plays the young girl in that she looks nothing like the video game character first off right uh yeah and i just i don't like her acting so i've heard it you know i have a, I have a co-worker who has been all over and he said it was really good yeah because uh, he played the game i never played the game not my style of game march 1st uh mandalorian Who's Mandalor oh the yeah. new yes new season of mandalorian's coming out yes season three of that one will be coming out all right well is eric wearing is he wearing virtual goggles? Uh, he's wearing a, a he's... virtual reality and a respirator. <laughs> and he's wearing a respirator. A, res <laughs> a respirator with the Oculus, and he's trying to show off in front of the camera. Yeah. Uh, you've been upstage, Justin. <laughs> yep. This is now Eric's show. <laughs> you got to get him in there. We got to get a picture of him. <laughs> oh, we will. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> wearing the mask all right yep. uh we take a break we'll come back with more of tech talk radio you can subscribe and like our show on apple Podcasts, and of course uh you can uh check out techtalkradio.com with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. <laughs> Nothing like having... Oh, hey, very good, Eric. Well, can you do all the nope. Mickey voices? Uh, no, I don't want to do those right now. No, uh, we're on the air right channel, now. Channel. Bye-bye. 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 See you Sunday. I'll see you Sunday. Great. That was my son, He's, Eric. Yep. You know what? You've set him up with a radio career. You're, uh-huh. That's an awful parent thing. Max and, Eric, Max and Eric will be doing the next two decades. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Really? Yep, that would there be, you go. Uh, that would be really cool. No, that would be cool. All right. So, you know, this is the time of the show we normally, you know, we'll mention a website of the week for you. Something that is kind of fun that you might want to check out. And Justin, you've got a, a website of the week, a website to check out that came from an email. It was a uh, an email that comes out the morning, morning brew. And they had one segment on there, like 10 websites that you can go to listen to like background music um hmm. so you don't have to like go right with uh, spotify or something you can do other stuff and i found this one the website is asoftmurmur.com and this is pretty cool because it's a website you can go and you can do your own custom mixes of things like rain thunder waves wind fire birds crickets coffee shops singing bowl white noise and and even more there's more sounds but you can choose your own blend of sounds that you want and then just play it in the background while you're working or or doing whatever it's kind of cool they, uh, yeah. that stuff normally puts people to sleep which is what you well, probably sure. shouldn't do at work <laughs> yeah probably not but i mean this it's a cool it's a, it's 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 cool little website again it's it's a softmurmur.com and something we haven't really even had a chance to talk about while we were talking there, Sean just popped up on our video screen, something that he is having some fun with, James Bond's 007 GoldenEye, 007. Yeah, which- so they finally, we've talked about it on the show before, they finally oh, released yeah. it, I think it was the 27th of, of January, yep. and it's just as good as I remember it. I mean, really? It's, 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 it- it's fun, it's quirky, the graphics are bad, the gameplay is terrible, James Bond's acting is mediocre at best. Yeah. It's, but, it's, but it's no, nostalgic. It's, yeah. it's it's good, right? So they added they they up the they up the frame rate so it plays smoother. They made it widescreen. Um, and well, the Xbox it, version is 4K. Yeah, the Xbox version is up, up, upscaled to 4K, so it probably looks way better. Um, mm. And it's got uh, on the Nintendo Switch, you can do online multiplayer, so I can play with my friends. Yeah, like it, it's not like matchmaking online matchmaking right you're not going to get matched with other people you actually have to have people that are on your friends list online to play with them so sure um, but it's fun you know so my co couple of my coworkers have it we're going to get together and maybe try and sneak it onto the big jumbotron in the stadium now this is not a oh. game you can, oh. now this is not a game you can go out you you find it you know gamestop or whatever this is one a digital game that you basically would download whether it be well, xbox or yeah, how do you Xbox, get it? it's included. It's Xbox is included with Game Pass. So as long right. as you have Game Pass, you can have it for free on day one. Now with Switch, it's a little different, right, Sean? Well, with the Switch, it's equivalent of the Game Pass, right? You have the you have the Nintendo Pass or whatever it's fifty Nintendo Online. 
Nintendo Plus Online. It's 59 yeah. bucks a year, um, and you get access to a ton of digital games, the Super Nintendo games, the original Nintendo games, and the Super uh, the 64 games. So yep. um, it comes included with that. So it, it just automatically downloaded to my Switch when it was available, and I popped right in and played through a couple levels and, you know, bungee jumped off that- the dam. With that, uh, that the, the 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 expansion of the N- Nintendo Online that gives you access to the Nintendo sixty four, do they does that come with uh, Paperboy sixty four? Oh man, because wow. that would be that would be a because I I they never released Paperboy. Paperboy. Yeah, yeah, they've oh, never done that. That was the one. If, I don't if, if, know if Paperboy sixty four is on here. You're riding up the street as a Paperboy trying to deliver papers, and you have all these obstacles that get in your way, like dogs that chase yeah. you. Uh, ladies that chase you with the brooms. No, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it. so. You've got the the titles that are on here right now are Yoshi Story, Star Fox, Super Mario sixty four, Mario Kart, Ocarina. The original of Time, Mario Kart. Yep. Original Mario. Well, yeah, there's, not the there's original. A, there's a good Super amount. Nintendo. Super Nintendo version was the original. Mario Golf. The original Mario Party Hi. games, which are incredible if you haven't played those. Like How much mine, is so. the service for the Nintendo? Sixty bucks a year. It's not it's bad. Not bad. And that's no. less expensive than the Game Pass. Isn't well, it? yeah, Game Pass is uh, $15 a month, but you get way more games on Game Pass oh, yeah. than you, you ever would more, on. Right? So. Yeah. yeah. And I love Game right. Pass. I am. Oh, my God. That is the future of gaming, I think. I think I want to get it, but I have to get I have to upgrade, update my Xbox. I'm still running the Xbox one. Uh, oh, yeah. I think you it, can get Game Pass on that. I can. But I think to really get the full experience out of it, if I'm really going to use it, yeah. I want to update it. So but yeah, yeah no, the, I've really enjoyed the being able to play the uh, Super Nintendo games and because this is this is what I grew up on, right? I don't know why it's mm-hmm. certain games, but now uh, yeah. this is the Pierce Brosnan 007, right? Yes, correct. Yes, and that's what really honestly took them so long because they had to figure out a way to relicense all the characters um, from the original game uh, right. to Boys. be able to remake this. Yeah, yeah Boris, they, I mean, and Natasha, Sean, and, Sean Sean Bean's character. And, yep. You know, there's so the music, everything. It's all, it's literally you play through Goldeneye, the movie, right? It's almost scene for scene to the movie. It's, and yep. so when that movie came out, this game also came out. So it was very, it was, it was very popular. Right? Great tie Everybody yeah. loves James Bond. So that's cool. That wraps up this week's Tech Talk Radio. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Tell your friends about it. You can subscribe as well. So anytime we do anything, you'll hear about it. It's all up on our blog, blog.techtalkradio.com. Uh, In the meantime, you guys have a great week. We look forward to talking to you next week. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Sean DeWeird. And I'm Justin Lemmy. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. Have yourselves a great week. See ya. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.